Did everybody get notes? There are notes, and all of that contact information is it, uh, at the back of the notes, too. So you can come and ask me for it, but really, it might be easier if you're like me to just write it down. <laughs> well, welcome. I hope you guys are already having a good morning. Are you having a good morning already? Yes. Good. Did everybody go to the previous Kidman uh, class? Was there one in first session? How was it? We have awesome Kidman leaders in this state, don't we? We're really blessed. Well, my name is Julie Pratt. I go by Julie. I am Julianne, but I go by Julie. Um, so you all have permission to call me Julie. <laughs> and I am the family pastor at Radiant Life in Dublin, just up the road, so I'm local. And um, I'll introduce you to my family. They're a little small. I am married to Shelby. We've been married 20 years. Actually, this summer's 20 years. Woohoo! I'm excited. He's taking me away. Isn't he awesome? I told him two years ago he needed to start planning for that, and he did. So we have three kids, Anna, Chloe, and Samuel. Anna's 14. Chloe's almost 10. Sam's almost 8. And they're a lot of fun. I could spend the rest of the time talking about them. 20 years in ministry, da 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 all that important stuff. I am known to um, be willing to... Uh, submit myself to just about anything for the name of ministry. Uh, and so this is all within the last year. <sighs> I have uh, been a human ice cream sundae. That's me in the middle as an ice cream sundae because we achieved a BGMC goal. This is me on the end at kids camp last summer. Um, it was supposed to be ketchup dumped on me because they hit the goal, except they couldn't find enough ketchup. And so they put pasta sauce in and after a week of camp, you get all those little cuts and nicks and bruises. That pasta sauce with salt and garlic felt good on my skin. So that was not the most enjoyable. And then that one on the end, believe it or not, is a buck, was a bucket list item. That little thing at the science center that makes your hair go. I had never done it. So my kids and I went one time to COSI here in town, and, and that was thrill of my life. Uh, if you walk into my church and you ask my kids uh, three, the three favorite things of Pastor Julie, you will get, I'm pretty positive, the exact same answer from every single kid. I'm pretty cut and dry. Reese's peanut butter cups, coffee, and awesome socks. And awesome socks are not on today, but nearly every Sunday and Wednesday I have crazy socks on. I wear everything from elf stripes to jelly beans to coffee cups on my socks. And uh, this is just a fun thing that we do. My kids all have begun wearing awesome socks. And we come in and, you know, all the adults will see us whipping off our shoes and comparing our legs and socks. And it's a lot of fun. So I love being around these kids. Well, I call today's session, Are You a Rock Star? or a tour guide. Did that make your radar go up? Um, these phrases are coined by Brian Dollar, if you're at all familiar. Brian's a really well-known kids pastor in the Assemblies of God. He pastors um, in Arkansas at one of our larger churches, and he uses these two descriptors to talk about the role we as kids leaders play in the spiritual formation of kids in our church. Let's see if I can do this. This is easier. Well, family ministry is my passion, in case uh, that doesn't become abundantly clear by the end of this session. And it is becoming more and more uh, the model that churches are using when they're talking about um, ministry to their kids. And I want to put a pause button right here because there's one really important thing we want to frame 
the word kids in. When we talk about kids in the realm of family ministry, we're not talking about just that typical children's church age range of newborn to fifth grade. In family ministry, in this model, we're talking about kids' birth through high school. Any kids you are actively parenting are kids when we're talking about family ministry. So today, as I'm talking, I do work primarily with that typical children's church age, and that's why we're saying how to have a family ministry when you don't necessarily have a family ministry. But I want us to be in the frame of birth through high school, because realistically, that's what family ministry truly is, okay? So family ministry has has really seen an upswing, and it comes out of this really hard look at how we're doing in church. So a number of years ago, we came into this cycle of hard look, and what we saw were families weren't necessarily doing a very good job. Um, the family unit and structure was beginning to deteriorate, and our churches said, just get your kids to church and we'll take care of them, right? We're like, just get them here. And then we get them in the building and we send them off into the four corners of the building, right? We started really heavily involving ourselves in age-segregated ministry. Well, what happened was we're recognizing now that actually they're not necessarily any better off. I'm a product of that generation and that approach. And, you know, I think I'm okay, but realistically, most people coming out of that approach are even more biblically illiterate, are even less spiritually mature. We're finding that age-segregated ministries does not always, I tack that in there, work. So family ministry is a response to that. We opened our Bibles, we dug in a little deeper, and we started really evaluating what does Deuteronomy 6 have to do with us as a church. And if you don't know what Deuteronomy 6 is, it's that verse that talks about we will tell them as it's coming, as they're going, as they go about their day, when they rise, when they fall. And that is mom and dad. They're the ones that are supposed to be doing that. And somehow, along this line, we took that on. So we took that, we started looking at the Old Testament model, and then we opened up and went into the New Testament and said, well, did that get negated when the New Testament came into existence? And in fact, no, it didn't. The New Testament is really clear that the church is there to equip those parents. Ephesians 4 details it out, it just boom, 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 boom. We're here to equip the saints. And so I tend to think, and I think anyone who's in this model of ministry would say, The spiritual formation of kids is definitely one of those areas that we should be equipping for. So family ministry came out of all of this observation and study and learning, and we came to a place where we realized what we need to be doing as a church is equipping those moms and dads to fulfill their God-given opportunities with their kids. And that's a lot of work because we're coming in, you know, we got generations of us who don't necessarily know how to do that. I've had, even this morning, someone just said, I'm with you. I have bought in on this. I have no idea where to start. Or I had someone yesterday say to me, I'm bought in, but my leadership's not necessarily bought in. 
I have my team, my group, my department. We're in. We're in. But we only go to whatever grade, right? So today we really framed this in the idea of maybe you guys are bought in. You may be here. You're on board. You're like, yeah, I agree with this completely. But I'm in an、um, environment where. My leadership's not necessarily bought in, or we're just not there yet, which is totally fine. Or even I've had a couple questions about: I'm not married, and I'm a kids pastor. Can I really do this? I don't have kids, and I'm a kids pastor. Am I setting myself up as some expert when I really don't have experience? And I want to say to you, yes. Because we're not, as family pastors, saying we're the parenting expert or we're the spiritual role model, and and really no pastor wants to be in that position. None of us as leaders are saying, "Yeah, look at me," you know. We're here to help and to equip. So family ministry is really, really particular about partnership and equipping. So when I say, "Are you a rock star?" we define that as. The primary spiritual leader of the lives of children in your church. So I just set it all up and just said that's not what we want to be. We, in fact, want to be the tour guide. We want to be equipping those parents to be the primary spiritual leaders in the lives of their kids. And let's just lay it out there. Even the most spiritual parent feels intimidated by this concept. At some level, in some area, on some topic specifically, they feel intimidated by it. So, what is family ministry? We have this kind of clinical definition, but it's such a great, succinct explanation. Family ministry is an effort. To synchronize church leaders and parents around a master plan to build faith and character in their sons and daughters. So, family ministry is not another program that you start in your church. You don't lay it on top of what you're already doing. In fact, that's a surefire way for this to flop、uh, because it just is too much for a family. Family ministry is a philosophy. It's a completely different way of ministering to your kids and to your kids' parents. Our role is instead not to do ministry programs for families, but to do redemptive ministry to, with, and through families. So we have guiding principles. If you do a lot of reading in this, you'll hear these. Um, principles recited over and over and over, and these are on your notes. I want to just lay those out there for you、um, to help you、um, take this. And I know you're going to have to really chew on this,、um, so I just stuck them in there. So our guiding principles in family ministry are: one, nothing is more important than someone's relationship with God. I think that's a given. I think there is not a soul in. Church ministry. <laughs> Let's clarify that would disagree with that. Second, no one has more potential to influence a child's relationship with God than a parent. And let me take a half pause here and say, for better or for worse. So I know there's a lot of conversation about what if these kids come to my church who don't have Christian parents? Those parents still have more influence over those kids than you. 
So regardless, that is a guiding principle in family ministry. No one has more potential to influence the parents than the church. We're talking about church parents, okay? And four, the parent's potential to influence a child dramatically increases when that parent partners with the church. The bottom line for me is kids' ministry is family ministry, and family ministry is kids' ministry. Remember, kids, we're talking about those in your home that we're actively parenting. So, you're sitting here and you're saying, that's great, but I don't know if I can do this. So, I pulled together seven areas that I would really encourage you to invest your energy and your time and your attention. I hope we can get through all of them today, but I gave all of it to you in these notes. I wrote down everything I was going to say. You basically might just hear a speech here. At this point, I wanted to make certain it was in your hands. Um, On your notes are resources for almost everything we're getting ready to talk about. So if something intrigues you, flip to that back resource page. There's a whole bunch of web links um, for all of these concepts, the curriculums, there's book recommendations. If you just are coming in, I brought a whole lot of my family ministry books if you're at all interested in checking them and looking at them. Um, I can give you recommendations on which one to start with if you're just diving in. So I want to make sure you hear all that. Okay, so what do we do? Seven areas in which we want to strategically invest. So the first thing I would say before you do anything else, educate yourself. Educate yourself. Take time to truly understand what parents and families need from your church. You need to check and see what the vision of your church lead pastor is. Talk with them and find out what their desire is for the families in your church. Spend time looking at what you already do. Educate yourself. Spend some time. Take plenty of time on this. Because if we just kind of dive in without really knowing, A, what, what we really believe is the biblical mandate, and B, what does the leadership under which we serve believe, We're destined to have some struggles, okay? So educate yourself. This is where I would really recommend reading some of these books to help you further understand the idea of family ministry. It truly is completely different than traditional kidsmen, okay? And so you really want to educate on what this should be, can be, might be, could be, okay? Number two, take that uh, which you uh, learn, that which you glean, and start casting a vision for investing in parents and families. Don't expect anything to happen with parents and families if there isn't a vision for it. It doesn't just happen by itself. You need to plot out, I'd like to see in a year. I'd like to see in three years. I'd like to see long term. It may take us five years to get to this point, but I'd like to see us push toward it. Cast that vision. Again, understand, if your lead pastoral team has not caught on to that vision, talk with them. Cast it with them. They have a heart for people. That's why they're in ministry. 
Uh, we don't want to set them up as the bad guy. They have a heart for it. They're probably from the same generation we are, and they're still in that mindset of age-segregated ministry. Again, not all bad, but talk to them about what could be, what we might consider going towards. Look at your current group of team, your volunteers, and what they're doing. What do their job descriptions look like? Do you have job descriptions for your current team? Just a little side note. Bink. That's also something to think about. Job descriptions are a powerful thing. Assuming that they all do, because you guys have job descriptions for everything. What does it look like? Does it say a lot about working with kids and dealing with kids and teaching kids? Maybe reframe that and go back and sit them and say, you know what, you have done an amazing job. You are so good with this age group. Now we are going to use that skill to invest in those kids' parents. I want you to realize now you're going to be working with mom and dad and helping them in their age group because you got it. You've got it figured out. Okay? You reframe it for them so that they understand they're working with moms and dads. Elevate the uh, importance of parents' roles. See if your lead team will allow you to preach in main service. Do sermon series on family. Do um, things on dynamics, on communication, forgiveness, understanding, love, blessing your family, serving your family, serving together as a family. Whatever that might look like, the time and attention given to it will elevate, it will cast vision. Do you um, have Sunday night services still? Does anybody still have Sunday night? There's a few do. See if you can cease all kids' men on Sunday nights and have those kids in service with moms and dads. Lay out this, it's okay if they make noise. We're all going to be okay because we're modeling and mentoring our kids in ministry and serving the Lord in worship, etc. I have a parent round table. I do this just about every year, and almost every year I'm surprised by some of the things I hear back. Let them come to you. Be strategic about who you invite. I choose to invite rather than just saying, hey, parents, I'm having a roundtable. I'm pretty strategic. I go for single moms and long-term marriages and newlyweds and um, even race. I try to pull from all those different things, and I say, come, sit, and talk to me. And I learn a lot about what they're seeking, what they need help with. So cast your vision. Use that time for that. Number three, think holistically. Regularly ask, how can whole families be involved in this when planning events and initiatives? We a lot of time plan kids' parties and kids days out and kids in service and and we don't ever consider maybe mom and dad uh, should come on board with us and be uh, the example and so then when they all show up you say okay mom and dad here's what you're going to do with your kids today as a group we're going to serve the senior citizens in our church but you as a family are going to be serving this family take them over you got mulch over there you got you know what you need serve that family check in with them and let your parents then be the lead on that regularly ask how can whole families do this take a look at what's happening in all your age groups if you do have egg age i keep saying egg segregated age segregated ministries look at what all of them are doing i'm thinking specifically on sunday morning um church time 
work to coordinate all of that. Maybe all of your Sunday school classes are in the same curriculum, and they're tweaking it to age for that group. During regular church hour, work on getting all preschool, nursery if you need, through as far as you have some say, uh, all aligned. And we've just done this in my church, and it's been amazing. We're all working through the Bible together. We're working hard to keep aligned. And it's super cool to have mom come back next week and say, hey, you know, we were sitting at dinner and little Johnny in his three-year-old class was talking about Abraham. And then my fourth grader said, yeah, that's what we're talking about too. And we talked about sacrifice. And this whole conversation naturally occurred because they were all doing the same thing. And then, you know, the light bulb, hey, we are all doing the same thing started conversation. Uh, Ask your team to work together in other areas. I'm thinking in terms of um, small groups. See if any of your small groups would be willing to align up and do uh, things together that will help uh, benefit whole families. Uh, Look at your youth group. Talk to your youth pastor and say, hey, can we even for one month, I don't know, Maybe you can get them to just come fully on board with you. But if not, say, hey, let's for a month, let's all of us do the same um, focus. Let's all of us talk about Easter. I mean, it's such an easy time right now. Let's do a series that all of us are going through the same concepts at the uh, age-appropriate level. Even in the sanctuary, how about all of us church-wide consider doing this? Be brave about asking for that, too. I would encourage you to be brave. Uh, consider a milestones model of ministry. I love this. This is one of my favorite things. This is on my goal list. I was talking about vision. A milestones model of ministry is a discipleship model that talks about the steps that one, as they're progressing in their spiritual walk, will go through. We're talking about salvation. And then we're talking about water baptism. We're talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We're talking about going on missions, trip, ministry opportunities. It's a way to be sure that our families as a whole unit are progressing forward in their spiritual walk. Dave Pafford, who spoke in the general session at the beginning has developed one that's available to us in Ohio right now for free. I don't know that it's always going to be free. So if this is something you're interested in, I highly recommend you get on the OMN ministry, the OhioMinistry.net website, and um, go tap into it. It's called uh, Age and Stage, I think is what he calls it. I call it Milestone. There are other labels like Legacies, Go look into that and see if that's something you could consider holistically applying. Four, I encourage you to build relationships. Not that you don't already do this, but become really intentional about this. Be especially intentional about building relationships with moms and dads. Model to them, help them to model to their children what relational ministry looks like. We are built and meant to be in community. And this is where that really plays out. You are modeling it to parents who will then model it to their children. 
Equip your team to build those relationships with whole families, not just with kids. I have people who know every detail about the kids in our rooms, and I'm frankly a little jealous of that because they'll walk up and be like, hey, so-and-so's got a broken left toe, and I'm like, okay, I didn't know that, you know, but those people don't necessarily know those kids' parents. They don't necessarily know that um, mom and dad are struggling right now. I want to encourage you to encourage your team to get to know their parents at that level. The quality of ministry uh, will improve drastically if your team is ministering to them as much as you're ministering to them. And what happens is it becomes self-propagating. Those parents begin reaching out and ministering to others because they have received it. They recognize how how valuable it was to them. They're going to turn around and say, you know what, I know a little about that. Let's go have coffee. Let's go. Hey, I see... I've heard, whatever, your child is struggling. You know what? My kid had a hard time with that, too, with whatever, bullying, or even as they get older and they start making those tough life decisions that sometimes teens do. Create opportunities outside of service for relationships to build. And again, this is a key point about the don't add another program on top of what's already existing. Because if you start creating more opportunities on top of what already exists, you completely over tap parents and they won't avail themselves of this really wonderful opportunity so revamp everything but opportunities outside of services can be things like family matters we call it after lunch it's everybody stick around have lunch after church let's talk about everything from discipline to social media and tech because every single kid has tech now right to um, the tougher issues of um, what happens when they get on tech. Okay, I'm going to dance around that a little bit. But all of those are really important to moms and dads. I am concerned. Aren't you concerned? So you know that every other parent in your church is concerned about all of these matters. So sit down, have lunch, let's hang out and do a family matters lunch. Schedule them once a quarter if that's what you need to do. Do quarterly open house. And I'm talking at your home, outside of church. Open your door and say, hey, let's just come hang out together. I just did this last weekend. I had nearly 30 people in my house on Saturday night because I was not smart and did it on a Saturday night. And so then I was like, please leave, you know, because I have to get up and be at church in the morning, even if you choose not to, you know. Um, But it was so fun. And we just pulled out board games. We all played. My husband is on a Settlers of Catan kick. Who plays Settlers? I'm starting to hate Settlers. But I was in the other room playing Phase 10, and he's in that room playing Settlers with all the uh, smart people. So family game night. You could even do family game night at the church. Same idea. Just say, anyone who has a board game, come. Bring a snack with you that you can share. Let's have family game night together. Those are really fun. There's no schedule to that night except coming, sitting together within um, groups of other families and playing games together. What a great relationship builder. Family dinner night. Encourage families to host other families in their home. Or, this is something I actually really want to do. I'm excited about this. Create an initiative that encourages your families to participate in family strengthening uh, opportunities. For instance, hashtag family date night. 
Hashtag reclaiming the table. Hashtag 52 conversations. Formalize your initiative. Say, for the next six weeks, we're doing hashtag reclaiming the table. And what we're doing is we're challenging you at least twice a week, every single week, to sit down as an entire family to a home-cooked meal and be together. What we want you to do is take a picture of your family at the table eating dinner. Post it on our Instagram. Does this sound a little familiar to what's happening today? And use that hashtag. We'll start scrolling your pictures. We'll stick them on the screen in church on Sunday. Yada, yada, yada. Well, people are like, ooh, that's fun. I'm going to do that. How many Instagrams are already on today's? Has anyone opened it up? Like five jillion, right? We love hashtags right now. I don't know why. So create a hashtag, reclaiming the table initiative, and make it happen. Your people will get into it. And in the meantime, they're sitting down twice a week with their family, having a home-cooked meal. Take it another level. Say, come to our website. We're going to provide you conversation starters. That's what the 52 Conversations is. We're going to give you conversation starters. It might be awkward. All you got to do is pull your little page out and say, all right, here's what we're supposed to talk about tonight. What do you think? And you'll get someone like my son who's like, I have no idea. And then you all laugh together, and that's okay. You've had a family moment, okay? So I encourage you, I'm hoping to get to do this this summer. Create an actual formal initiative that encourages family together. Number five, connect what's happening in the church to what is happening in the home. We need to get more creative. I'm saying to a room full of creative people, we have to get even more creative because I know you all are very creative. But with a specific focus on connecting what we're talking about, what we're teaching, what we're doing in church, and encouraging them to take it home, to continue the conversation at home. Obviously and ultimately, it's up to mom and dad for that to happen. But make it easy for them. I mean, make it as easy as you possibly can. And ultimately, the only reason that would prevent them from doing it is they just decide not to do it. Okay, so things like refrigerator magnets at the beginning of the month series. If there's a single um, big idea that you're trying to communicate for the month, put it on a super cool refrigerator magnet, send it home for the month. They're going to be seeing it. It'll spark conversations. Oh, yeah, you know, in church on Sunday, we, we talked about so-and-so or did this and this with that. It's going to spark conversations. Send God time cards home with them. God time is just home family devotions. Make it easy for them to have family devotions. I just had a friend who um, they have implemented the family ministry in their church, and it's going amazing. Josh Williford in Aurora. Um, They email the first of every week God time prompts. They send it home in an email. Every parent has chosen to opt in and get it, and they send it by age. So there's the, if your kids are not in school yet, here's a great prompt to ask them. If your kids are elementary through mid, I think, and then there's a high school prompt. They're all in the same theme. They're just phrased age appropriately. A little bit deeper the older you get. Consider setting up a MailChimp account or constant contact account and populating that and scheduling it to go out. That is not something you have to physically sit down every single Monday and type up and click send. And that's the beauty of things like MailChimp and constant contact. Dedicate a day, sit down, create all those emails for the month, for the 
next two months, however you want to do it, schedule those out, tell it who you want it to send to, and then walk away for the next six weeks, okay? And it'll automatically send them, and they'll be getting those God time cards. Put your takeaway pages. Do you guys send home all kinds of crazy papers with your kids every single Sunday? I find mine all over the church when I leave my room. That's a fact of life. But try to make it really visually quality and appealing. You can set it up in the form of table tents, which last year's um, God time cards or takeaway pages for us were table tents. Once they got it home, they just had to fold it like a trifold and in the middle of their table, and it sat there for the week. They could look at it. It gave them ideas on conversation starters, and we would just say, hey, parents, it's right there. Glance at it while you're sitting and eating at your two times a week reclaiming the table and talk about it with your kids. It had activities. If you wanted to have a little more time investment, there's little things. Go get a, you know, a pile of pasta and start using it for this. So it wasn't complicated, but it had options. This is something I just heard about and I also love. Your kids sing songs that they don't hear on the radio that's not sung in the sanctuary. They've got their whole own personal playlist in your children's church, right? Provide that playlist to mom and dad. Get it on a CD. Make a YouTube playlist. This is how I did it. I just put all the songs on a YouTube playlist and I posted it on our Facebook and I emailed it to the parents and said, Hey! Your kid's singing a song till you're about to scream because you've heard it five bajillion times. Learn it and sing it with them. Put it on. And I've had a lot of click-throughs on that, especially on the preschool age, because they sing these little repetitive three-line songs over and over and over. And um, either mom and dad haven't quite figured out what that song is, or they've decided they really like it and they want to sing along with their kids. Playlists are a funny and wonderful thing. Text bombs. There's a whole nother fun thing to do. I don't personally use this, but it is a great idea. If you can get all of your parents to opt in, you can send them the same idea like with the MailChimp. You can text bomb them with encouragement. Hey, today, make sure you give every single one of your kids a hug. And I mean a five-second hug, not a ding, ding, and walk away. Okay? Text bombs uh, that encourage them to love their kids. Okay? All right, number six, equip parents. You don't have to have a family ministry department to equip your parents. If children's ministry is family ministry and family ministry is children's ministry, then it would, will, should happen no matter what your ministry is called. Speak the language of the vision. Create parenting or uh, small group opportunities. Identify older parents and families in your church and ask them if they will love on younger families. Again, I'm always about formalize that. Create a program that says you are part of a parent mentoring ministry and we need you to help these younger parents. And these younger parents want it. They are not going to say no thanks. I don't think I have met a single young parent when I have suggested, hey, would you like to connect with, that has said, no thanks. It's usually, yes please, right? So do it, formalize it, be proactive in it. Be sure to offer varied and equipping, uh, regular equipping opportunities. Parenting e-newsletters, posting tips on Facebook, on Twitter, using Instagram and Pinterest, your young parents are on there. Your maybe not so young parents are on there. 
Okay, use it. If you find a really cool resource, maybe you have a um, Kids on Family Ministries Pinterest page. Tack it into your um, page and then post it onto your Facebook and say, Hey, parents, I just found this cool resource. And make it a link to there. Doing weekly emails, quarterly classes is one of the things I do regularly. And bringing in special speakers and doing seminars. I want to pause here and say two things. Um, In the back of your note. Um, pages are two of these that are coming up for me personally that I want to invite you to. One is Secret Keeper Girls. If you're at all familiar with Secret Keeper Girls, it's a discipleship opportunity encouraging moms to invest in their younger girls. It's for ages 8 to 12 is the target audience. But I always say, look, they can go younger, they can go older if that's what what you want to do. It absolutely is meaningful to them. Uh, We're hosting it at our church. It's um, it is a one-night kind of stage show opportunity, if you will. But what I'm telling my families is that is a kickoff to conversation. I use that kind of phrase a lot because we just want them to have conversations because conversations create opportunities and develop our kids spiritually. So it's a kickoff for us for conversation. Um, what we're choosing to do is in-house with our families For every mother-daughter combination that comes, we're providing for them a book that Secret Keeper produces called Eight Great Dates, which is an eight-week, if you want to make it that long, or if you want to do it eight days in a row, um, further opportunities to discuss this and plant seeds into your kids' lives. It gives you ideas on where to go, what to do, a little bit of a script about what to say. It's just a great resource. So I want to invite you to that. The other thing that I have in there is we are doing a parenting seminar uh, at our church, also in-house, called What to Do When. We're tackling the really tough topics, bullying, cybersecurity, pornography, etc., 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 the tough topics. And let let me just tell you, I had someone say, but isn't that a youth themed? Okay, this week, this week. I talked to a mother of a six-year-old who's cutting. This week, I talked to a mom and dad who came to see me because they discovered their homeschool son, who's in fifth grade, I think he is, has discovered pornography. This is not a teen issue, okay? This starts a whole lot younger than I think most of us realize. And so we're framing the What to Do When conference in how to spiritually undergird your kids so that when the point of decision comes, there will be foundation already in place. And then we're going to say, but if you have a child already here, here's some resources, here's some guides, here's some... uh, opportunities for you to find people who love you and will help you and we're going to gather around each other um, and it's it's going to be a great weekend so if you're at all interested in that I welcome you to bring your groups to it it's put on by my church at Radiant Life so it's technically in-house but it's something you can tell I really really believe needs to be happening it's happening in my own church so it's happening in yours too Okay, so provide seminars and resources that topically discuss those important things. Beyond that, am I supposed to be done now? Soon. Soon. Okay, see, I'm almost there. All right, provide opportunities for your families to serve together 
and moving on. Seven. I did it. See, seven. Intentionally involve your parents. We want to invest in them by feeding into them, by teaching them, by providing seminars for them, by allowing them to come and to be equipped, and then allowing them to talk to us about they, how they want to be equipped. Well, then we need to activate them. We need to get them involved. Get them serving as husband and wife teams in your ministry. How many of you are staffed predominantly by women? The most... Uh, <laughs> so we want those men. They need to see the men involved in investing in the kids. As a team, the men um, need to be working in this. There's all kinds of statistics. I love statistics, and maybe you're not. But even if a family technically is doing their job to spiritually nurture, usually, like nine-tenths of the time, that is spearheaded by mom. So I want to encourage you to invest in the men in your church. That's a whole other track we could go down. I believe in men's ministry because that's where we really say to them, men, come on. We need you. Your kids need you. And you can do it. And what you'll hear a lot of the time is the men say, oh, that's not my area, you know. Let me take him to the ball field. And that's great. But sit him down and say, you know what God did in my life? And hearing your kids hearing it from dad versus hearing it from mom changes everything. Okay? A little bit of a soapbox. I'm down. Get moms and dads invested in your ministry. Work on them working together. We really want to see them in there. Uh, I am beginning to transition. If a kid comes to you and says, I want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life, I am really starting to get serious about saying, after church, let's go to mom and dad and let's let mom and dad talk with you together about this. I want moms and dads to have the opportunity to pray that prayer with your kids. How many of you got the chance to do that with your own kids? I'm so glad I did. And you know what? All of mine, all three of mine, occurred in the van driving somewhere. And I'm up in the front seat like, (laughs) okay, here's what you say. You know? I will never forget it, okay? But those are so huge and, and special between myself and each of my kids. Hey, remember when we were driving and we prayed together? Try to get mom and dads to do that. When they're ready for water baptism, let mom and dad get in the tank with them and let them baptize them. They may say, I don't want to talk. That's fine. We'll do the talking, but when it's time to put them under, you're doing it. You are baptizing them. You are helping them make that public profession of faith. That's pretty critical. We're doing that at church. I'm telling you what, there's not a dry eye in our church when that happens because it's just like, ah, yes, you know, it's so powerful. Let those parents do it. Create a new Christians class or a disciple class specifically for those children after they've asked the Lord into their heart. This is really effective around the fifth grade, and that's where the milestones model really plays in. You, If you implement it, that's a great age to do it. Um, require mom and dad to go to that class with them because that teaches them some important discipleship things that they need to do with those kids as soon as that salvation experience occurs. So, 
Is it possible to do family ministry without having a family ministry? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, in my church currently, I don't, we don't have necessarily the family ministry model in its purest form, if you will. I really am just involved with uh, all families and with um, birth through fifth grade. But we are absolutely doing family ministry in our church, and we're, I'm working really hard at doing that and investing in moms and dads. So wherever you are on that spectrum, whatever place you find yourself, absolutely. If you're a lead pastor, oh my goodness, I just want to sit down and talk with you. I encourage you to really invest your energy in this because the impact, the potential for generational change is huge. I could talk for hours and hours and hours. I love this. I believe in it. I believe that it's a whole church thing. This is not just for currents. It's for if you're a grandparent, if you're not a parent, if you're not married. This is what family ministry is. So, I'd love to talk some more about you. I'll talk your ear off if you want. I have, again, I have all those books. I would highly recommend um, a couple of them. There's one uh, called The Family Ministry Field Guide. Great, great, great book. Um, If you're kind of familiar, a lot of people really use the Orange book. It's a great launch point into more family ministry, and I have one here. Um, And then I also have the church I referenced, Aurora New Life. They have created a pamphlet that's available to their church members. They gave me permission to print some, um, and it's called D64. And I have a few of those sitting there if you're at all interested in that, as well as a pamphlet called 52 Conversations that has been provided for conversation starters. So avail yourself to all those supplies. Thank you guys uh, for coming.